keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Three, the feast of St. Joseph of Cupertino. St. Joseph Cupertino was born in June 17th, 1603, into a poor family. It said he had a very sickly childhood and even faced extreme suffering from a very early age. At seven years old, he actually developed a gangrenous ulcer, but it was a miraculously cured showing. Oh, looks like we're having some connection issues there. Even from a very early age, good for nothing. In fact, nobody thought he was good for anything. And whenever he eventually entered religious life, he was very much found very a lot of difficulty because of his ineptitude and abstractions. He would go... I apologize for these connection issues. We are um, experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties here from Adrian. Good morning. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and welcome to another episode of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you so much for sharing your morning with us here at uh, the Guadalupe Radio Network. And uh, I want to thank all of the people uh, who generously donated to our uh, fall share It was a a wonderful experience of your kindness and generosity uh, to see so many people uh, contribute to the needs of the Guadalupe Radio Network and for the salvation of souls. Uh, we're going to continue uh, looking to see if we can reconnect with Adrian there. Uh, Taylor, you can just let me know when he's good. Okay, uh, Adrian. Okay, we're still not getting Adrian yet. So Adrian is uh, traveling abroad. He's, uh, well, not really abroad. He's in a different state right now. He's for, uh, I think he's in Wisconsin doing a Eucharistic, uh, uh, some sort of Eucharistic procession there on the water, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but again, yeah, thank you so much for, for uh, donating to our, our cause here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's, uh, it's really an outpouring of your gener- generosity, and, uh, and we thank you for that. Uh, now, it looks like we have Adrian back. Let's take a look if we can get his audio here. Uh, not getting his audio. Okay. Well, um, we're going to continue here. Let's see if we can do this here. Um Let's see. Can y'all hear me now? I think uh, hopefully that it would make things a little bit better if I hop on via the phone. So hopefully y'all are able to put me on like this. But nonetheless, uh, for some reason, we're having some technical difficulties. It seemed everything was working ahead of time, but 
now everything is a little wonky. Now the so let's see here if I'm everything is going accordingly. Um, Rudy, can you hear me? Does everything sound good? Hopefully, I'm going to continue and see if everything sounds good. Rudy, are you there? Yep, uh, we're getting you loud and clear. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Uh, so I guess I will uh, summarize real quick before we move forward because uh, I think <laughs> we missed it. I, I feel bad because we missed St. Joseph of Cupertino, the saint of the day, St. Joseph of Cupertino, who, you know, he was a great saint, and yet he was incredibly, incredibly incompetent. He was known to be uh, very dense. He was very dense, not very smart at all. His mother even rejected him. His community kicked him out of his, uh, kicked him out because he was uh, always messing up things, dropping plates, and bringing out the wrong bread. He, always, he was a major failure in the temporal sense, but he had great holiness. And because of his great holiness, he was able to reach the heights of sanctity, always falling into ecstasies, uh, levitating. Many people may know of the movie about his life from um, Formed on Formed that you can watch. I've heard, I've never seen it myself, but I've heard it is absolutely amazing. So I, there's much more that could be said, and maybe I'll share a little bit during the after show, but what kind of application can we have to the life of St. Joseph Cupertino? Well, if we receive gifts from nature or from God, so let's admire St. Joseph of Cupertino in order to be detached from them and use them well. Because if we lack qualities or have to endure suffering, we can also then admire him and follow his example of the confidence that he had in order to accomplish what God has planned for us. So, St. Joseph of Cupertino, pray Thanks for, for us. us. So, praise be to God, we had a successful share I'm very happy about that. But the good news is, though, if you missed share last week, you can actually go on our website and donate today. Today is going to be the last day that you can hop onto our website, grnonline.com, and you could donate to support the mission of Catholic Radio. Now, at 15 past the hour, I want to play for you a few clips about the, uh, there was a, a protest that happened in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and our friend Dave Palmer did a great report on that. So we'll be playing some clips from that coming up at 15 past the hour. Plus, I'll tell you about why I'm uh, out not in the studios today. So I'll talk to you about that at 15 past the hour as well. And at 30 past the hour, there was an Ohio priest who was standing up for life. It was a really good sermon he gave, and we'll talk about that at 30 past the hour. At 45 past the hour, uh, if you're not busy, could you help us look for a missing F-35? Um, the military is missing one of their F-35s. Could you help us? Uh, we'll talk about that at 45 past the hour. And in the next hour, the Senate is getting rid of their dress code. That seems like a very, very bad idea. So we're going to make sure that we uh, talk about that coming up in the next hour. And as always, we have the Fear and Trembling Game Show uh, with prizes involved. So make sure you're tuned in for that. Uh, but let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. We're praying for your intentions for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for. O oh, Blessed Virgin Mary, Immaculate Mother of God, who didst endure a martyrdom of love and grief, beholding the sufferings and sorrows of Jesus. Thou didst cooperate in the benefit of my redemption by the innumerable afflictions, and by offering to the Eternal Father, His only begotten Son, as a holocaust and victim of propitiation for my sins. I thank thee for the unspeakable love which led thee to deprive thyself of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, true God and true man, to save me, a sinner. 
Oh, make use of the unfailing intercession of thy sorrows with the Father and the Son, and that I may steadfastly amend my life and never again crucify my loving Redeemer by new sins. Arid that, persevering till death in his grace, I may obtain eternal life through the merits of his cross and passion. Mother of love, of sorrow, and of mercy, pray for us. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Thank you, Adrian. And then, uh, good, good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are some of today's breaking news and stories. I almost uh, said in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost there, but uh, no, this is not a prayer. Now, uh, we have some news here from New Mexico. The New Mexico governor caves to massive backlash, significantly weakens emergency order restricting guns. The state's attorney general, also a Democrat, told Grisham, in a public letter that his office would not defend her against lawsuits related to the order because of the order's unconstitutionality. Later last week, the governor said that the restrictions on open and concealed carry that were uh, installed uh, earlier last week would apply only to public parks and playgrounds where children and their families gather in Albuquerque. Now, this story, in case you missed it, this uh, this uh, governor here in New Mexico decided to ban the Second Amendment, which is... Uh, First time I've heard that in any state. Pretty crazy story. Another story here. Armed man pretending to be a federal agent arrested in Los Angeles at an RFK Jr. event. The presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been denied Secret Service protection by the federal government despite his numerous requests and persistent threats to his safety. On Saturday night in Los Angeles, the fears of his campaign came true when an armed gunman posed as a federal marshal at a campaign event. Now, despite both his father and uncle both have being assassinated, the Biden administration has not seen a need to provide RFK Jr. with a Secret Service protection that it's given to those men and women who are running for president of the United States. And lastly, another story out of China. Chinese priests convicted of fraud for refusal to recognize a state-sanctioned church. Father Joseph Yang of the Wangzhou Diocese south of Shanghai was found to be in violation of the law after he refused to register with the state-sanctioned Chinese Catholic Patriotic Association. The court imposed administrative penalties on Yang, including the cessation of his priestly activities, the confiscation of illegal proceeds of $3,913, and a fine of $210. Now, those were some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. Back to you, Adrian. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, the gospel today comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. In fact, Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, is got to be one of my favorite passages in Scripture because this is something that we say at Holy Mass. In fact, let me skip over to this passage directly. So this is the story of the centurion who is asking for a servant to be healed. And so the, our Lord goes to the man and he hears from the Jews. The Jews come to him and say, hey, this this Jew, this uh, Roman, this pagan, he's a good man. He even helps build our synagogue. He loves our nation. Won't you go help him? And so what does our Lord do? Our Lord says, okay. And Jesus went with them. And when he was not far away from them, the centurion sent someone over to meet him halfway and says that, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou should enter under my roof, for which cause neither did I think myself worthy to come to thee, but say the word, and my servant shall be healed. Now you may recognize this from Holy Mass, whenever the priest says, Domini non sum dignus in interest of tecto man, start the verbo sanabi mea, or in English, I Lord, I am not worthy that thou should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. We just switch out servant for soul to try to apply it to us. 
Now, it is also interesting of his explanation. He says here in verse 8, For I also am a man subject to authority, having under me soldiers, and I say to one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth. And our Lord, what does he do? He marvels. He says, Amen, I say to you, have not found so great faith, not even in Israel. Now, this is a great condemnation of the Jews here because the Jewish people are the people of Abraham, the people of faith. And yet, it was a Roman satyrian, someone who's not even a Jew, someone who's a pagan, who has greater faith in our Lord than that of the Jews. This is a very sad situation, and it's something that wounded our Lord's heart so much. But it does give us a great example, because we can look to the centurion and say, we can have that kind of faith as well. No matter where we came from or who we are, we can have that faith, and we can know and love God. And this is why we can say this, and we echo those words of the centurion every time we attend Holy Mass, because we recognize we are not worthy. Our roofs are of our of our bodies, the roofs of our homes, of our bodies, are not worthy to take in the Holy Eucharist. The Holy Eucharist is so far above us, so great, that it would be a great insult to Almighty God to think, I deserve this. And it's kind of the mentality that many people have is that, oh yeah, I deserve to get, take the Eucharist. But no, the Eucharist is a privilege. Uh, we are not owed the Holy Eucharist, but instead, we, it is a gift to us. And so we have to keep that in mind whenever these things come up. Now, lastly, that I want to recognize here is how this begins. How does this begin? Well, whenever he hears that he's coming, the servant of the Satyrian, who is dear to him, being sick, was ready to die. This is something that is not really focused on, is that the Centurion is caring for his servants. That is this, his, the Centurion loves his servants, loves them so much that he's willing to go out and seek out someone to take care of him. And this is a great act of humility because someone who is of great power and authority, like a centurion, it causes great pain for someone to want to try to move towards trying to make acts of humility to say, I'm not strong enough. I can't do it on my own. I have to trust in someone else who is greater than I. And who is greater than I? No one but our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be right back with more in Catholic Drive Time right after this. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? Daddy Christmas scripture. That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. <laughs> they love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say... I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. 
The church, like the encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Now, it is a beautiful Monday morning, September 18th. It's 6, 16 in the morning. And, you know, I think it's a beautiful day. At least it is where I am. In my neck of the woods, it is a beautiful, beautiful morning. I don't know. Let me know how it is in your neck of the woods. Now, I have to ask, what did you do this weekend? Uh, did you do anything exciting this weekend? Did you do anything fun this weekend? I had an awesome weekend, but all across Texas, there were awesome things going on. And I want to talk about that in just a second. But before I do, I want to mention that we wrapped up our 2023 Fall share last Friday. But the good news is that you can actually still donate. In fact, today is going to be the last day we're leaving everything up on our website. And you can go to grnonline.com and you can go there and you can actually continue to donate and support your Catholic radio if you call in and you do that. Or not call in, but you go on our website and donate online. So make sure you do that. We'd be very grateful for your generous donation. Now, uh, Rudy, what did you do this weekend? Uh, you know, I had a pretty rough weekend, so I didn't really get much done. I know I uh, teased that I might go out kayaking, but uh, no, I think I think maybe you're the one who got some time out on the water, huh? I did. I did, in fact, get some time out on the water. It was pretty exciting. Um, yesterday, we it was actually a, it was a long process. It was a very long process. On Friday, I flew out to Milwaukee Friday Friday night. And I got uh, got in around 10 o'clock at night. Saturday, we woke up early and we sailed from one end of Lake Michigan to the other end of Lake Michigan, the uh, Milwaukee side. And we um, set up a flotilla. Now, a flotilla, for those who don't know, which I didn't know, I had no idea. I've never heard of such a thing. Um, a flotilla is a boat that is set up to house the Blessed Virgin Mary. That way you can actually carry her and present her. It's almost like a Marian procession on the water. And so we set that up in honor of the 51st anniversary of the weeping of the miraculous pilgrim statue in Louisiana. So those who don't know, there was a statue of Our Lady of Fatima that was created under the direction of Sister Lucia. And so it's said that this statue is the only statue in the world, and there's a couple replicas, but the only statue in the world where it is the exact face of Our Lady of Fatima. And that image, whenever it went to Louisiana, it was kind of, um, it was a, it was during the time around Roe v. Wade, and so many people think it was because of those of that particularly, but uh, of course we don't have an uh, understanding of the exact reason but many people speculate that that was the reason. And the, the miraculous pilgrim statue started to weep. And so their real tears started flowing down her face. And you can actually look up pictures where people took photos of the miraculous pilgrim statue weeping tears. 
and there's been many miracles associated with the, the Pilgrim statue as well. And so in honor of the 51st anniversary, the TFP here in Milwaukee set up a flotilla to try to do something, a great act, uh, a great gesture of devotion to Our Lady. And they did it for the first time last year, and now they're trying to make it an annual tradition and they needed another hand on deck. So I flew out to Milwaukee to help them, and that was pretty exciting. Um, but one thing that happened that I think was really interesting was as we were sailing back to uh, sailing in, we actually ran into this ginormous swarm of ants that were flying into uh, in the middle of the water, and we ran what? into them. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Huh. It's just this ginormous, and there were huge ants too, and they started swarming us, and we were like, "This is like the spirit of Beelzebub over here, just attacking us." And so we actually prayed um, the St. Michael prayer three times, and um, after that, they pretty much just they go, they went away. There were some stragglers that were all over the boat. But it was, um, yeah, it was kind of crazy to think about. And they were biting us, too. We, Mr. Rex had, like, ten bites all over his body. I had, like, four, a couple by my neck. And it was, uh, yeah, we got attacked by these ants. It was crazy. Very, very insane. But it was a very good experience. And we went out and we prayed the, the rosary. And it was a, a small little crowd of about maybe, I want to say, it's kind of hard to tell from the boat, but it was, like, probably 50 people if I had to just ballpark it. Um, and it would have been nice to have more. Apparently last year for their first time, they had a huge crowd. Uh, but this year it was, seemed to be a little bit smaller, but that's good. It was very good. Praise be to God. Now, I do want to bring up what was going on in Texas. In Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, a very, very insane thing was going on. And I'm very grateful to Dave Palmer. We could play clip one. Uh, Dave Palmer uh, went out and he did uh, some interviews for us about the event there. So I'll let uh, Dave explain. And tell us what is going on this morning and why uh, Why did you organize this event? Thank you, Dave. Yeah, so uh, we're out here today for the Tradition, Family, and Property Movement, America Needs Fatima. Um, we're a group of lay Catholics concerned about the direction our country is going. And uh, we're firm believers in the action of prayer. So what's going on today is that uh, the, the so-called Cathedral of Hope uh, it's uh, apparently some type of Protestant uh, cathedral. They have decided to honor and bless uh, drag queens this Sunday, uh, September the 17th. And among the groups that they're blessing and honoring is, a, is an anti-Catholic blasphemous hate group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I think most uh, most Catholics on the call may, have re may remember uh, not too long ago the L.A. Dodgers protest, no? Uh, L.A. Dodgers, uh, they were they decided to honor the uh, LGBT Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And these, these they, they are men, they're homosexual activists, and they, they mock everything that the Catholic Church holds sacred. They mock uh, the, the religious life of sisters, you know, they, they mock our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, the Dallas Ex uh, Express, they had a news article here in town, mentioned the fact that these Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, they even do something called the Hunky Jesus contest. So these are homosexual men dressing like, uh, you know, almost naked. There's pictures of them and there's a vote to see who's the most hunky Jesus. So disrespecting that which we hold most sacred, the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're out here to pray, make reparation and let Dallas know this is unacceptable. Let this so-called Cathedral of Hope know that this is unacceptable. And uh, there's a, a saying in scripture, our Lord said, he who confesses me before men, 
I will confess him before my Father in heaven. So in the TFP, American East Fatima, we're firm believers in the power of public reparation and confessing our Lord before men. We've been silent for too long, Dave. Catholics have been silent for too long. And look where the world, look where silence has brought us. Now there's, uh, you know, children are being exposed to LGBT drag culture. in libraries, public schools, LGBT indoctrination books. And Catholics are, we need to wake up. And I think we are. I think the sleeping giant, giant is waking up. And so, of course, uh, our Blessed Mother Mary, she's, uh, she's the one who's given us strength. And uh, so we're out here with our rosaries. That's our weapon. Uh, thank you very much to uh, Dave Palmer for getting uh, those interviews, that interview for us. Um, here's one other one, and I'm going to play that in just a second. But I, I mean, it's 100% correct. It's 100% correct. Uh, the amount of things that just attack Catholic culture 24-7, 365, is utterly insane and so many times we do nothing about it we do nothing about it we just allow ourselves to be bullied and yet now it's good it's very encouraging to see more and more catholics start to rise up and show that they're going to stand up and defend their faith and this is a very positive development so we should encourage more of it not less of it so there's this other clip we want to play for you, and this is a clip of uh, Dave interviewed a, a lady who was actually attending the event. In fact, um, she's actually a CDT listener, so hopefully she is listening today. Uh, Dave mentioned she said he was she was talking to her name is Sue. Uh, said Sue was a um, was a huge fan of CDT and listened every morning. So hopefully she'll hear herself on the radio now. But let's play that clip. I've been involved in good Catholic witnessing and prayer my whole life, and I've seen how things are, seem to be going downhill, and I just know that it's so important to be out in the public, praying and doing reparation and being a witness for those around us and for Our Lady and our Lord to hopefully continue to have some mercy on us so that we can reach souls. And we really do care about the people here today. We're praying for them, and we just hope and pray that they can turn away from uh, this drag queen activity. Yeah, that's very good. And that's exactly right. I mean, this is something that we have to realize is it's not only that these people are bad and wicked and disgusting, which is all true. But it's also that these people have eternal souls. And if they do not convert, then they will go to hell. It's really as simple as that. And if we love people's souls, we will that they go to heaven. And they cannot go to heaven acting like this. What kind of society do we promote? What kind of society do we love if we are going to allow people to do things that are going to send them to hell? If we encourage doing things that are going to send them to hell. But most importantly, what Mr. Cesar was saying, these are great acts that offend Almighty God. Like how, how horrible you think a Protestant church, I mean, people like to say, oh, our brothers and sisters in, in the faith. And yet our brothers and sisters in the faith are going to invite people who mock our religion. Is that what we're saying? Um, there's no brother of mine would do that to me is all, is all I could say. And this is this is the state of the church right now. The state of the, of the church, whether it be the Catholic church, but also these Protestant churches, is that they hate God. They hate God. It's a really a tragedy because there is no respect for Almighty God. Instead, they would not only do things, perverted things like invite 
uh, transvestites to perform at a church. Uh, but not only that, but they will then invite transvestites who are going to mock the holy religious life, the institute of religious life, which is so sacred and so loved by God. And that's something that they're going to attack. That's very, very bad. It's something that I'm glad that Catholics in the Dallas-Fort Worth area were willing to stand up. And if things are like this are happening in your neck of the woods, well, one, uh, organize. Get people together. Get your people at your parish together. Get the men in your diocese together, and women and children too, of course, to show up and not allow these things to go unopposed. And let me know. Uh, send me an email if these things are happening in your neck of the woods. And if I can, I'll join you. I'll drive out to wherever you're at. I'll fly out to wherever you're at and join you. But if not, at the very least, I'll promote whatever it is that you're going, that's going on in your neck of the woods. Uh, so the praise be to God. Thank you very much to Dave Palmer for your generous help there and for being out there. Thank you to everybody who went out and protested this wicked, evil acts and made reparation to console the heart of Our Lady who weeped tears just 51 years ago there in Louisiana uh, because of the sins of America, for the blasphemies and outrages against her immaculate heart. We want to make reparation more and more every day. So praise be to God for that. Also, last second, I want to mention San Antonio also had a rosary march. I, I didn't get a report back from that one, so I'm not sure how that turned out, but I'm glad to hear that that's happening in San Antonio, and we need more of it, not less of it. So let's pray and ask God to give us more Catholics to rise up and be courageous. Don't fall to the wolves, but instead face them and fight back against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote any like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. This one is from Catholic Vote, and the headline, I am sorry to say, is Trump denounces Florida's pro-life heartbeat law. He says it's a terrible mistake. 
Former President Donald Trump announced Florida's heartbeat law uh, protecting unborn children from abortion after six weeks of gestation called a, called this a, a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. A number of pro-life leaders condemned Trump's comment, including some who have praised him in the past for his pro-life achievements, saying, quote, laws protecting the unborn are not a terrible mistake, wrote Alliance Defending Freedom President Kristen Wagner in response to Trump's remarks. She says, continuing, they are the hallmark of a just and moral society. Governors who protect life should be applauded, not attacked, unquote. Leela Rose, president of LiveAction.com, called Trump's comment pathetic and unacceptable. Now, I'm starting to feel it was a terrible mistake to have gone to bat for him in 2016. Now, The Loop also reports three men were found not guilty in Whitmer plot. The three men charged with being part of a plot to kidnap Democratic Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer have been found not guilty after a two-week trial. All the men tried for their alleged involvement in the plot have been widely denounced by politicians as, quote, domestic terrorists, unquote. A number of those involved, including the group's eventual leader, were FBI informants. Two were undercover FBI agents as well. Now, those were all of your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, Rudy, it's uh, pretty pretty crazy what uh, Donald Trump just came out and and said that. Oh, you hate to um, see it. You hate to see it. Yeah, you, you do hate to see it. Um, the Though, honestly, is anybody really surprised? Well, I guess not. Did anybody ever right? actually think he was pro-life? Yeah, you know, there's uh, there's several issues with uh, with Donald Trump, especially you know, considering back in 2016 and and moving forward, you know, there was a lot of involvement with uh, strange organizations, and despite him, you know, speaking out and being you know pretty bold against the establishment, uh, there were still a lot of mistakes, and that just proves to us that you know we we really do live in a veil of tears, and that there is no perfect candidate for us. There is no yeah. a political solution uh, for the problems that we're having here. There is one political solution, and that would be to make me king, and then okay. everything would be solved. Or <laughs> he was like, oh, what's the solution? And he's like, oh, it's that again. <laughs> yeah. We'll sort out our no, tech be... difficulties first, and we'll see if we can make you king. <laughs> so the uh, the it is interesting, though, because people were reacting very strangely to this. They're acting as if they got stabbed in the back, but I, I'm, I'm confused because I was never under the impression that Donald Trump was pro-life. It was always considered to me that the pro-life things that he did was because he was putting in constitutional judges. That's what he was doing. And because of that, I mean, obviously, if you're going to be following the Constitution, you will be shooting down a lot of these um, laws in regards to in regards to abortion because they were bad laws to begin with. They were just from a, from a legal perspective, they were just bad laws. Mm. And so people are freaking out about this. And I'm thinking, look guys, the guy was never pro-life. I mean, I've been saying this for a long time. He supports drags for Trump. He supports homosexuals for Trump. And these are, I never understood why the left comes after him about these issues because he is, he is, he's part of their team on those things. Um, and like you said, there is no perfect candidate and you'd basically have to decide, okay, what is uh, the least worst option? Mm. And I think whenever it comes down to it, um, whenever we, we see how this plays out, um, 
during the primaries, I can think people should definitely be aware of these of these issues and see who not only has the best positions, but who is the most likely to win and be able to actually affect change. Because um, if you have a perfect candidate and he doesn't win, well, then congratulations on losing, I guess. So that's kind of the situation there. Now, I do want to switch over and talk about this. I don't know if you saw this, Rudy. Did you see this uh, priest in Ohio? No, I didn't. So this is really interesting. There is a, a priest out of Ohio. And remember that um, the story out of Ohio about the they're trying to put up a, a way to make it harder to make amendments? Oh, yes. And that got shot down. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. now they're pushing for trying to make the um, – to legalize abortion there, right, to try to – get rid of any kind of restrictions on abortion. And this Ohio priest from the pulpit stood up and he proclaimed the truth. Now, I want to play a small clip of this, just a couple minutes. Um, the full video is about 10 minutes long and it's worth a watch, uh, but let's play this clip. November 7th, we have here in Ohio an opportunity to send this demonic proposed amendment back to hell from which it came, there is nothing, absolutely nothing about the proposed constitutional amendment that's going to be on the ballot, the so-called right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety. There is nothing about this that is compassionate. There's nothing about it that is helpful or true. Nothing. It has nothing to do with reproduction. It has nothing to do with it. What it's trying to do is to expand and enshrine the so-called right, right, of mothers and fathers to kill their unborn babies. It enshrines and ensures the ability of minors to pursue these sort of experimental, experimental medical procedures whereby they mutilate their own bodies in this attempt to become a member, a member of the opposite sex in so-called affirmative care therapy, right? a mutilation of their body, an attack on their reproductive organs for minors, right? It has nothing to do with health or safety, but everything to do with ideology and advancing, advancing the culture of death, which is built upon this idea that the happy life is the life of self-expression, of autonomy, that I'm unencumbered, unhindered by anything that would constrain my freedom. Here's the point. There is no way that any Catholic in good conscience can support this amendment. It's not possible. It is not, nor is it ever loving or compassionate to make it easier for people to do evil, either to themselves or to other people. That can never be the Catholic mind. That is not compassion. It is not love. I'll put it this way. Simply put, it is always and everywhere wrong for bigger and stronger people to deliberately attack and intentionally target and murder littler, weaker people. It's always wrong for big, strong people to intentionally attack and murder weak, little people. That's what abortion is. It's the attack of the... I think that's uh, that's great. The, the go check out the entirety of the video. LifeSite News has it linked up on their article here. Uh, but this is exactly what we need. This is exactly what we need. People will say, 
oh, these priests should not to get involved in politics. Oh, these priests are, are stepping into the political realm. They need to stay in the religious realm. But this is a moral issue. This is not a political issue. It's purely uh, the pure, the, the political is the moral and the moral is the political. But this is a moral issue. Every single, imagine if every single Catholic priest stood up, and I'm not asking them to endorse candidates. I'm not asking them to run for office. In fact, I would be against them running for office. All I want them to do is proclaim the truth of the gospel, is to proclaim the truth of Catholic morality. That's all. That's all I want. If every single priest in Ohio, every single priest, and all the bishops stood up and they preached from the pulpit against abortion and against this bill that's going to murder babies, that's going to make it easier to murder babies, if they did that, imagine what would happen. The people, we don't realize that Catholics have influence, have great influence. We, our vote has influence. Our words have influence. Everything we do actually can affect change. I'm glad that this priest is doing it. We need more. It's not enough for one. We need more priests to stand up and fight and fight for the truth. Our crusade is a crusade of words. These are, we don't live in the time of the medieval era where we took up arms and physically went into battle. Instead, our battle is a battle of the pen and a battle of the tongue. And so we must be able to stand up and fight for what's right. And I'm very happy that this is a Father Patrick Schultz, prayers for Father Patrick Schultz. We need a million more Father Patrick Schultzes to be preaching the gospel in the public square from the pulpit and condemning things that are evil in the world. We have, like I said, we don't need him endorsing candidates, but we need him to say, hey, look, there's this bill. It encourages murdering babies. Therefore, we cannot support it. We cannot have this be part of our way of life as Catholics. It has to be condemned over and over again. And I love what he said. He called the Planned Parenthood abortionist Moloch priest. And that is so true. Moloch, we rebuke in Jesus' name. He, those are his priests who try to have these children, have them sacrificed. Sacrificed to who? Sacrificed to Satan. It's the only thing that we see. Our Lord Jesus Christ desires not the death of these children, but instead that they be, they live and they be saved. So let's meditate upon this today and let's pray and encourage our priest to be good and holy priests. questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. That's 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Time show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, what are you doing this week? Do you have anything going on? Do you, are you having, are you busy? Are you too busy? Because if not, uh, let's go on a scavenger hunt together. You and I, let's go look around. Do you happen to live in the, in Texas? Well, if you do, uh, hit me up. I may be, um, driving around looking for a lost item. Um, have you ever lost something before? I've lost many things. Rudy, have you ever lost anything before? All the time, actually. All the time. Yeah, it happens all the time. But uh, you know what's funny is I don't remember what they are. <laughs> I don't remember what <laughs> well, I lost. I guess it I'm wasn't important. <laughs> what's the, do you know that prayer to St. Anthony? I always forget it. The one that's like a, kind of like a rhyme. It's like... Um, uh, St. Anthony, St. Anthony, uh, won't you come around? There's something lost that needs to be found or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, we should all be praying this prayer because the U.S. government lost an F-35 strike fighter fighter plane. Um, how do you do that? <laughs> how, how do you lose? Like, I lose my keys, right? I lose my uh, headphones. I lose... Um, I lose things like my wallet. Actually, I don't lose my wallet too often. Um, but I've never lost an F-35 strike fighter plane. Huh. That's not something I've ever done before. Is that I, what I saw? Like that, Rudy? Is that what I saw at the thrift store this past weekend? <laughs> Is that what it was? <sighs> I thought it was an F-16, but I'm not an expert in aviation. so. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Sometimes we uh, we think we lose an F, uh, F-16, but really it's an F-35. I get confused sometimes. But no, in fact, um, the U.S. government lost an F-35. Uh, the They're flying from South Carolina, but there is a mishap in the afternoon. And so the pilot ejected safely, praise be to God. But they weren't able to track the coordinates of the plane. The best they could do was they said that it landed in Texas. There's no so, way. There's no way that people, people would not have noticed that. Right? That's what I'm saying. There's absolutely no saying. way. I mean, you think that people would see it crash. And so people are saying, exactly. hey, is this like a finder's keepers type thing? Like if I if I find it, I, I, I'm i low-key imagining that if there's some, somebody in Texas that saw it crash, hooked, uh, hooked it up to their, their truck, their Ford F-150, and, uh, and towed it to their garage. <laughs> you know, there's a story, Adrian. I don't know if you've heard this one, but there was a man who was a scuba diver. I think this was off the coast of Florida. And he found an undetonated atomic bomb, and he oh used that. He he dug it up. He used it to power his house oh, for decades. No way. Yeah, and then no he was arrested. Way. Yeah, they oh they found goodness. out about it, and then they arrested him. But he used it he for several several years, and uh, you know that was probably a piece of military equipment too. Wow! Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's kind of what I'm imagining here. That some. Some really lucky uh, Texan has a F-35 
in his garage right now or in his barn. Uh, I That's what I imagine is going on right here. So if you find one, uh, let me know. I would love to uh, go see it and go hang out with uh, whoever has that because uh, that's pretty cool. That's I'm not going to lie. That's pretty awesome. Now, on to a different story that's uh, a little bit more important, I guess. The So we talked about a couple days ago about the New York mayor. The New York mayor came out and he said that the there's these illegal immigrants are destroying New York City. We don't want them anymore. It's terrible. Even though New York City is a sanctuary state, a sanctuary city, um, I thought that meant that they wanted immigrants. Uh, so I'm not sure why that would be the case that they would be wanting to get rid of them. But nonetheless, that is the case. So what did we see come out over the weekend? Well, over the weekend, the L.A. mayor, the L.A. mayor came out against the same thing. The L.A. mayor came out and spoke out against illegal immigration. They said they did not want illegal immigration. It's just too much for them. They cannot handle it. And at the same time, though, they are still not willing to completely condemn the situation. So they kind of played fast and loose and they said basically oh yeah we're gonna have uh we we still we totally we totally want illegal immigration to continue um but you know we at the same time it may not be the best for us so if y'all could um maybe not do that so much that would be that would be great that's kind of the uh, the summary the the dynamic equivalence translation of what what was going on in la but it is very interesting to see more and more of these places that claim to be sanctuary cities, who claim to welcome illegal immigration, to claim that this is actually our strength, that they are not, they don't actually want it. The, the LA mayor said they welcome immigrants, but she's, quote, fearful that planes of illegal aliens will start coming any day. Why would she be fearful? Uh, shouldn't she be excited? Isn't diversity their strength? This is it's always very concerning because they realize that this is actually a burden on your economy and in your neighborhood. But at the same time, they want to have more of it in Texas. In fact, they're trying to push for law to be made that they will be forced to keep them in Texas and not realize that it. it's kind of, it's honestly very wicked. It's very, very wicked because you know, what kind of person promotes a policy and then they realize that that policy is actually harmful to their constituents, to their people, and they push for that to, to be getting rid of for their area, for their constituents, but then advocate that that burden be put on another person's community. That's basically what they're doing here. That's basically what they're saying. They say, look, we realize that it's not good for us, but for Texas, we want to keep it there. We want to keep it going in Texas. That's very wicked. That's not, that's not charitable at all. I don't know a charitable way to read that at all. I think that a lot of this comes down to the fact that people really don't understand what it means to be charitable. We go off of emotivism, which is to say, that whatever makes us feel good, whatever makes us feel nice. And we assume that if it makes us feel nice, it must in fact be good. And so it makes me feel icky to say, 
oh, we need to secure our borders. It makes me feel icky to say we need to deport people who are coming across illegally. That doesn't make me feel good. It makes me uncomfortable to say that. So instead, I'm going to say, well, I don't like it when it's in, in my neighborhood. I don't like it when it's in my neck of the woods. So instead, it just put it out of sight. And then I can feel good and it will not affect my life. It won't affect my situation. So I, I'm glad that Governor Abbott is uh, sending people over to these sanctuary cities because, I mean, they are sanctuary cities, so why not send them there? And I hope we continue to do so because this is a, a real a real way that we can fight back, but also give the people what they want. I mean, this is what the people in those areas voted for, is what they wanted. And so I think we should give them what they want. I think it's very, very important to try to uh, not infringe our ideas on other people. Let them have their their um, their desires, their voting. Whatever they voted for, they should be able to get it. And hopefully they wake up and realize that this is not a good idea and it's unsustainable. Now, there's this other story. Uh, last story here that I want to bring up. We started off the show talking about the quote-unquote sisters of perpetual indulgence. Obviously, we mean the transvestites or the drag queens of perpetual indulgence, which are these men dressing as women. And it's becoming more and more popular, becoming more accepted. Yet, here's what we see. Like, this is things that are happening. And people think that it's reserved to California, which is why I bring up L.A. and bring up California often, is because I always say, what's happening there will happen elsewhere. If not might, it will if we don't stop it. So we saw this happen in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Who would have thought Dallas-Fort Worth area having um, these these uh, mockery of the faith? And then the great bastion of conservatism, Nashville, Tennessee, right? Tennessee is known as a very conservative. Obviously, people say Nashville itself is not conservative. But Nashville elects the first transgender council member. Can you believe that? The first transgender council member, a so-called Olivia Hill, which I couldn't find his real name, but Olivia Hill is what he goes by, is a Navy veteran who still who sued Vanderbilt for des- uh, discrimination back in 2021, and has now been elected to office in Tennessee. We are getting to the point where there is there is no safe space. Where are you going to run to? You're going to run to Tennessee. You're going to run to Florida. You're going to run to Texas. We have to stand up and fight. There's no more time for running. Running. (laughs) The time for running is over. The time for running has long since passed. And if we continue to run, then we lose. We just let the left to keep taking ground little by little until we keep backing away into corners upon corners upon corners. And then what happens? They can just squish you like a bug because now you just ghettoize yourself. And so we can't ghettoize ourselves. We have to fight back. We have to elect people who are going to stand up for moral values. We have to do this because what does it say about our country? What does it say about our country if we are going to push for more and more decadence? What is God going to do to our country? What do we deserve as a country? Do we deserves do we deserve the grace of God? Do we deserve that God shed his grace on thee? Do we deserve those blessings? 
when we say God bless Texas with his own hand, right? Well, I haven't seen that blessing. We, we squandered those blessings. We say America, the beautiful, America, the brave. Where is that? Where is that? Do we care? Do we want to stand up and, and actually push for moral values? Do we want to push that almighty God be honored in our country? Or do we want transvestites to run our country? Because right now that's where we're headed. We're headed to a world where transvestites run our country. And people keep telling me for years now, for uh, three years now, people have been telling me, Adrian, why are you so obsessed with the transgender issue? Adrian, why do you talk about the transgender issue so much? It's just a small fringe group, but this small fringe group is taking over the world. This small tr fringe group that nobody listened to me when it was starting, when everybody was uh, saying that this is not a big deal, it's a waste of time to talk about, is now taking over our country. They're mocking our God, they're mocking our churches, they're taking over government, they're running our institutions, they're taking over our schools. I could go on and on and on about this. And what are we doing? We're saying, oh, let's not worry about that. Oh, that's not a real issue. Oh, why do you keep talking about that? No, instead, we need to re recognize that this is in fact a real issue and we have to resist it at every turn. And what's the number one way that we can do this is by prayer and public prayer. So let's organize, let's get together, and let's make acts of reparation to Almighty God because we deserve his punishment. The only way to stay that hand is through prayer and devotion to the Holy Rosary. So pray the Holy Rosary today. We'll be right back. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no comment needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes, every Sunday at Mass. That's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. 
the Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord, and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born in. Hi, I'm Kelly from Benedictine College. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. So good to be all with you today. Praise be to God. Now, have you ever heard the saying, the clothes maketh the man? Ever heard of that? It's a saying that um, recently has become popular, actually, because of a movie. I don't recommend the movie. The movie is um, The Kingsman, which it's a it's kind of a spy thriller movie based off of a comic book. That um, it, one of the things about it is that they they all dress incredibly well. They're they're kingsmen. They dress in suits and ties and use a cane and uh, very sophisticated people. And the thing about that saying is that it's true. Now, I want to return back to this because the, our modern world does not believe that's true. They think that the clothes does not make the man. In fact, clothes doesn't matter at all. And nothing illustrated this than this story that I saw out of the Daily Wire. The Senate cuts dress code enforcement. The Senate will no longer enforce a dress code for senators a few months after Senator John Fetterman who John Fetterman really, he really needs to step down from the Senate and, and take care of his health. He's going to, he has, he's definitely, he's dying in office, um, can barely speak, can barely function. But he made headlines for disregarding the rules. He shows up, um, honestly, he looks like a slob in my opinion, and showing up to the Senate dressed like a slob. Uh, Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer directed the Senate's sergeant at arms to stop enforcement a change that will go into effect next week, Axios reported on Sunday. Now, the senators, this is a, a quote from Schumer, senators are able to choose what they wear on the Senate floor. I will continue to wear a suit. Now, the change only affects the senators and not the staff members. So it would be kind of funny to see the senators dressed like slobs and their staff members still dressed in a suit and tie. That'll be um, amusing. Now, here, the um, it goes on and says... Senators can now wear whatever they want. However, others to enter the chamber must comply with the dress code. Coats and ties for men, business attire for women, Fox News journalist Chad Pergman said in a post to X. Relaxing the enforcement of the dress code, which appears to be more of a tradition than written policy, is sure to make life easier for Fetterman in particular. The AP reported in May that the freshman senator, who was a penchant for hoodies and shorts, worked around the rules of the Senate floor by popping in to vote from the doorway of the Democrat cloakroom or side entrance. That's absurd. He He's so committed. He's so committed to not dressing up that he's going to just wait outside and then pop in to vote. This is absurdity. Like how much do you have to hate customs, to hate decorum, to do that? You, he, we live in a vulgar world. We need to have a return to sublimity, to a sublime life, a return to order. Now, Senator Peter Welsh joked at the time he's setting a new dress code, which I guess he did. 
because uh, what do we see a few months later? And this happens. Now, the AP report further explained that Fetterman's preference for a cozy attire was seen as a good sign for the center as he struggled with depression and anxiety. Should we have people struggling with depression and anxiety running for the Senate? I just wonder about that. Like, yeah, obviously we need to have compassion for people who are suffering from this. But should we really be encouraging this? Instead, shouldn't we encourage people who are of well mind, who are not going to be struggling with these kind of mental problems running our country? It's very strange to me that we would be okay with this, that we'd see nothing wrong with it. Now here, people close to Fetterman say his relaxed, comfortable style is a sign that Center is making a robust recovery after six weeks of inpatient treatment at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, where his clinical depression was treated with medication and he was fitted for hearing aids for hearing loss and he made it harder for him to communicate. Now, here's the other thing about this. If he's not able to even get dressed, what does that say about his mental capacity? If he's not even able to put on proper clothing, does that mean we're just going to does, does that mean he's able to function correctly? He's able to make decisions, to be able to vote, to be able to run our country, to run your state? That's very, very strange and very concerning. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz said, or Senator Eric Schmidt said, will we see Senator Ted Cruz in jorts and a tank top? I really hope not. I really hope not. I hope uh, this will, maybe this will be a good thing. Maybe the good people will dress up the bad people will dress down and we can make it more clear what we're going up against. Uh, but I started off this segment by saying the clothes make it the man. And I want to return to that. There's a saying started off with, well, many people kind of, there's kind of debate about where the origin of this uh, saying comes from. Erasmus is known as, who was a Catholic priest. He said, um, vestis verum facit, which is essentially can be translated as the clothes make it the man. Now he here is referring to Quintilian, who said, to dress within the formal limits and with an air gives men, as the Greek line testifies, authority. And this is interesting. It says to dress within the formal limits and with an air gives men authority. Because even in the time of Quintilian, who is one of the Latins, one of the Romans, he very much it was clear that our clothing mattered. That dressing in a formal attire, it, it gives you authority. It shows who you are. And many people try to denigrate this and say clothes doesn't matter, but it matters to God. Because remember, God created the first clothing. Remember, Adam and Eve, whenever they committed original sin and they fell into this state where they were ashamed of themselves, what did our Lord do. Our Lord killed an animal and fashioned clothes for Adam and Eve. So clothes were a gift from God. Now, Quintilian, he says, as the Greek line testifies, what Greek line is he testifying? What Greek line is he referring to? He's actually referring to Homer. Homer is said in his, uh, in his writings, from these things, you may be sure men get a good report. 
at first I thought his appearance was unseemly, but now he has the air of the gods who dwell in the wide heaven. So it even points out that dressing well, even in the time of Homer, even in the time of the Greeks, that dressing well was considered godly. We have the saying, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness, right? Well, the same thing can be said of dressing up. It shows a respect not only for yourself, but it shows respect for those you're encountering, for those that are going, you're going to speak with. Uh, people will talk about hygiene in that way. Oh, you need to have good hygiene, not obviously for your own health, but because other people have to deal with you, other people that sit next to you, have to smell you. The same thing goes for clothing. Uh, people have to look at you. We have to have a threefold love whenever we do things. We have a love of God, a love of neighbor, and a love of self. And in the same way, we have three concerns. We have the concern of the salvation of our own soul, the salvation of the soul of our neighbor, and then the taking care of our bodies. That's the third thing. So people say, oh, who cares what I wear? Why do you care what I wear? Well, one, you should care what you wear because one, the salvation of your own soul. So make sure you're not wearing something sinful because a lot of clothing that we people wear today is very sinful clothing. But two, you have to care for your neighbor's soul. Are you tempting your neighbor? Are you leading your neighbor into sin? And then three, you have to care for your body. Make sure your body's covered. I made this uh, comment of the day and people were a little upset. I said, um, if you don't want to get skin cancer, wear clothing. And people worry about covering themselves in sun, sun, um, sunblock. But if you just wore long sleeve shirts and pants and for women's skirts, you wouldn't have to worry about that. Obviously, there are exceptions. People get skin cancer nonetheless. But generally speaking, it would decrease the chances because your skin would not be exposed to the sun. Now, Shakespeare also proclaims the same thing. He says, the apparel oft proclaims the man. Now, clearly, he says oft proclaims the man because it's not necessarily the case. There's an element to you can't judge a book by its cover. There's an element that to be true. But generally speaking, apparel proclaims the man. You can tell who someone is, what they're about, what kind of person they are by how they dress. Because it shows how they respect themselves, how they respect others, and how they respect society. That really does matter. And creating the Senate and getting rid of this dress code is a giant blow to Christian civilization. It's a giant blow to customs because politics influences culture, but culture influences politics. So for now, we're going to completely disregard, completely get rid of dressing up. And we're going to completely get rid of people wearing suits and ties. How much longer before a formal attire being dressing up for a for an occasion is going to be wearing a t-shirt and jeans? And we're almost there already. Mark Twain, in fact, is quoted as saying, clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence on society. This is a insightful saying from Mark Twain because, yeah, I mean, it's it seems so so silly to say naked people have little or no influence on society. But yeah, if you're wearing clothing, this is something that is important, something that is good. And if you're not wearing clothing, people consider you crazy. And yet people will walk around uh, basically wearing nothing. Now, last thing I want to mention is something that I want to refer back to the top of the show. At the top of the show, I mentioned St. Joseph of Cupertino, who was a great saint who 
is a um, was a, a Franciscan friar who was not very intelligent, who suffered a great deal, who was not the the greatest at his tasks. He he bumbled about, failed in a lot of the things that he needed to do, but yet he had a great love of God, but also he loved his habit. He loved the Franciscan habit and he clung to it and he kept it about himself always. But eventually, even by his own community, he was considered good for nothing. And the religious took his habit and expelled him from the monastery. And later when he was remembering this, he declared that having the habit taken from him was the greatest suffering of his life. And it was as if his skin had been torn from his body. This is a reality that we have to realize is that clothes is important. Our clothing matters. It says a lot about us, which is why I always have trouble when I see priests who don't wear their habits or wear their cassocks or wear their clerics because I'm thinking, who are you? What are you about? Just as if you'd see someone who doesn't wear their uniform show up to the job, I would be very concerned. I'd be very confused. And so too, that goes for religious, for priests, but it goes for you and I. Because you and I are called to dress well. We are called to dress intelligently and called to give respect to Almighty God, to the angels, to ourselves, to our neighbors, and to society. Will we do so? Will we make that sacrifice? We make the sacrifice to maybe be a little uncomfortable, to maybe spend a couple extra seconds getting dressed in the morning. Will we make that sacrifice for this reason? And many people say, oh, but, you know, it, it takes so long to get dressed in the morning. Well, just lay it out ahead of time. Just, if you have to, just buy a dozen white shirts, a couple uh, jackets, a bunch of generic ties, just gray pants, and just wear the exact same outfit every single day. That's all you got to do. If you're really that concerned about ease of dress, getting quickly dressed, just do that. It doesn't take much more effort. I promise you. And it'll do so much to change society. You will be surprised. Now, we're going to go into our fear and trembling game show. You could be our winner. So make sure you call in. We didn't have a game show last week, so it's glad to be back. That number, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424 is the number to call to be part of the game show, Fear and Trembling, where we're going to give out prizes and you, in fact, could be the winner. So make sure you do so. We always take the first caller. So call now, 877-757-9424. Let me give you that number one more time. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling right after this. Remember, you could be the winner. Call now.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish and we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. because we are going to be able to give away those prizes today. Very excited to do so. So there we go. Um, we're gonna give away prizes today. And let me just tell you what you're listening to. You're listening to Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. Now, the game is really simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions here. And these three Catholic trivia questions, the trick is I'm not gonna ask you the question. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions He's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. Every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week we are giving away a prize pack from Conversion Starters. Uh, you might be wondering, what exactly is Conversion Starters? Have you ever been in this situation, dear listener, where... You're out in public, and clearly there's an opportunity for you to evangelize, but you're just a little too introverted. You can't get it out there. You can't do it. Well, Conversion Starters has you covered. ConversionStarters.com makes evangelization easy and painless for everybody. The Conversion Starters t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs catch people's eyes. Uh, they catch their attention. They pique their curiosity by featuring common questions about Catholicism, along with a website address where they can go read a brief Easy to understand answer for those questions. Now, you could be a billboard for Christ. Visit conversionstarters.com because conversion starters is evangelization for introverts. Thank you so much for sponsoring our game show this week.
Thank you very much to Conversion Starters. Very grateful for your generous donation. I think it's really cool. I think it's a really cool idea of being able to uh, get the answers and put the website on. On Because, I mean, I, it always bothers me. I, I always try my best. I don't always succeed, but I try my best to not buy things that are branded. Because <laughs> I hate being an advertisement right. for other people's brands. But imagine if you could be an advertisement for the gospel. That's pretty cool. I think that's awesome. So praise be to God. Thank you very much, Conversion Starters, for generously sponsoring our game show. Now, joining us right now is Chris. Good morning to you, Chris. Good morning. Chris, where are you calling from? Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola, Florida. Praise be to God. I, I've not, the that's is it is that how far was that from where? How far were you from the beach? Uh, personally, a couple miles. Couple miles. That, that must be nice. Do you get to go frequently? No, beyond that, sunburn is not my fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just, uh, I never really, I've never been a fan of the beach. To be honest, I've never been a fan of sand. I feel like Anakin Skywalker many days, and I'm just like, I, I don't like sand. It's rough in the course, and it gets everywhere. Uh, not, not a big fan. The, the, the sun is not too much my enemy. I, I don't get too too many problems with that. Uh, but where are you off to this morning, Chris? Actually, I'm retired. Just came back from dropping something off at church. Oh, praise be to God. Uh, your retirement treating you well? It is. Yep. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. You know, I was... I can't remember. I got to go find the source here, but I was reading one of the saints, and they were saying how um, in your youth you are very busy, you run about, you are working all the time, and you're not able to perhaps do devotions that you would like to do because you're just so busy. You have so much going on, kids to raise, you can't make it to daily mass, things like that. But that's why God gave us old age. That's why God gave us old age. That way, in our old age, we can dedicate that time more fully to himself. Um, do you find that to be true? It is true. Yeah. Uh, I belong to the belong to the Legion of Mary at our parish, Saint John the Evangelist. Uh, Father John LeCarry is our pastor. Father Will Gancy is the associate pastor. Well, praise be to God. I love the Legion of Mary. My mom is a part of Legion of Mary, and I've helped out with Legion of Mary my whole life. So praise be to God. I love Legion of Mary. All right, Chris, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? Yep. Awesome. Then you know Rudy can be tricky, so you got to keep your ears tuned to his trickiness. Uh, Rudy, are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's jump into it. Question number one. The question on the board, Rudy. Okay. How does Christ lessen or remove our fear of death? Oh, okay, that's an easy one. So it's a question of biology, really. You know, it's oh, really? the, the fight or flight response. So he floods us with adrenaline. And then when we have that adrenaline rush, we don't fear death. Really? Is that what it is? Yeah. Huh. I I guess that makes sense. I I felt that before, you know? I, I felt that before. It's, it happens to me once or twice. It happens to me uh, every mostly... morning when I have coffee. Though, you know, I got to say, though, when I have adrenaline rushes, I honestly feel more afraid. I, I just, just freaks me out. Like there's a 
chihuahua chasing me and then just the adrenaline started running. Uh, I mean, I mean a pit bull. That's what I meant. Not a chihuahua. <laughs> that, that would be, that would be crazy. All right, Chris, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is how does Christ lessen or remove our fear of death? Uh, Rudy seems to think that God floods you with adrenaline and the fear goes away. What say you, Chris, from Pensacola, Florida? Shame on Rudy. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Survey says that is correct. Way to go, Chris. No, that is uh, it is not adrenaline, but it is, in fact, uh, the promise that God gave us that he will raise us from the dead at the end of time. Um, you know what they say? A perfect love drives out all fear. And so I think that's a great thing to know. So way to go, Chris. Are you ready for question number two? Go ahead. Yep. All right. Let's do it. Rudy, I think you might know this one. Hmm. I think you might know this one. This has a connection to you a little bit. Uh, a small connection. Let's see if you can get it. Uh, what type of performer has St. Uh, it's pronounced different ways. I'll pronounce it a few ways. There's, it's St. Vitus. It's also known as St. Vitus. Uh, what type of performer has St. Vitus as their patron? Uh, well, that happens to be comedians, and I got to ask you, Adrian, you telling me that I'm funny? Funny um, how? Like a clown? Like I amuse you or something? Or what are you trying to say here, Adrian? Well, I don't know about you, but my father always told me that I wasn't really funny, but I was funny looking. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, but nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, Saint Vitus. All right, Chris, maybe you know your saints. Um, this is a very, a little bit of obscure saint, so we'll see if you can get this. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what type of performer has St. Vitus as their patron? Well, I thought St. Vitus was the patron saint of nerve conditions, but I'm going to go with Rudy and say he's right. Oh, you're trusting him. All right, let's see. Survey says... That is correct. Way to go. Uh, Rudy, what's your connection with St. Vitus? St. Vitus, uh, that is the parish that I used to frequent in Los Angeles. Uh, you got to pray for them. They're still in the tent, despite, uh, you know, COVID being done. Uh, they're still in an outdoor tent. The church is tiny. It is, uh, I mean, it's probably as big as our studio. <laughs> and yeah. they have several thousand uh, families here. Uh, going to Oof. going to mass there, so they have this gigantic revival style tent in the backyard uh, where people go to mass, even in the summer. Yeah, my family went there once, and it was uh, it was pretty small. We were visiting California, and my family we all went there, and I was like, "Whoa, my goodness, this is this is tiny." Uh, the poor <laughs> the poor uh, FSSP parish down there feel bad for them. But way to go, Chris! Uh, you're doing great. Are you ready for question number three? Yes, I am. All right, now this question mm, could be tricky. Let's see, and it also has a connection to me. Um, so let's see, 15, uh, here's the question. Which is bigger, the Dead Sea or Lake Michigan? Mm, I'm gonna say the Dead Sea is larger than, than Lake Michigan. Yeah, it does seem biblical. Things in the Bible will always seem bigger, huh? No, not really. So you're going to say Lake Michigan? Yes, Lake Michigan. Okay. All right. I'm trying to get you to switch over to Dead Sea, but nonetheless, he refuses to change. All right, Chris. Let's see if he's being tricky or not. 
15 seconds on the clock. The question is, which is bigger, the Dead Sea or Lake Michigan? Rudy says it's Lake Michigan. What say you, Chris? Well, I'm going to go with Rudy again. He's going to go with Rudy again. Okay, all right. Let's see. Uh, Survey says... That is correct. Way to go, Chris. Way to go. Um, Do you know how big Lake Michigan is? I have no clue. It's approximately 22,406 square miles. Do you want to give a uh, just a guess of how big the Dead Sea is? Um, I Ten thousand square miles. Ten thousand square miles. It's two hundred and thirty-four square miles. It's tiny. It's tiny. <laughs> I didn't realize how small it was. I was kind of blown away. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Lake Michigan is like more than ten times bigger than it. I, so there you go, folks. There you go. Way to go, Chris. You rocked it. And so make sure you stay on the line with us. We're going to put you on hold and get your contact information. But God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed day, Chris. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you very much. We're going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for our radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. It'll be our first after show in a while. So make sure you hop on with us. You can join us on Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, and YouTube. And make your comments down below. We'd love to interact with you. So make sure you do so. We'd love to chat with you. Uh, we'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time in just a second. But if not, we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you very soon. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia, alleluia. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. The Holy Mass, live at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel, home of the Soul Community. Today is Monday in the 24th week of Ordinary Time. We celebrate a special Mass for those in public office. This Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for those who are joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, and those here present. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, Blessed Trinity.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ have, mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, in whose hand lies every human heart and the rights of peoples, look with favor, we pray, on those who govern with authority over us that throughout the whole world, the prosperity of peoples, the assurance of peace, and freedom of religion may, through your gift, be made secure. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, first of all, I ask that supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be offered for everyone, for kings and for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and tranquil life in all devotion and dignity. This is good and pleasing to God our Savior, who wills everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and men, that man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as ransom for all. This was the testimony at the proper time. For this I was appointed preacher and apostle, teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. It is my wish, then, that in every place the men should pray lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. The Word of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, for He has heard my prayer. Hear the sound of my pleading when I cry to you, lifting up my hands toward your holy shrine. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard my prayer. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I find help. Then my heart exults, and with my song I give him thanks. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard my prayer. The Lord is the strength of his people, the saving refuge of his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Feed them and carry them forever. 
Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard my prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. When Jesus had finished all his words to the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave who was ill and about to die, and he was valuable to him. When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and save the life of his slave. They approached Jesus and strongly urged him to come, saying, He deserves to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he built the synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was only a short distance from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Therefore, I do not consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a person subject to authority, with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come here, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning, said to the crowd following him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When the messengers returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A few of the interesting details in this story, according to Luke's gospel, about the centurion was that he was, seemed to be quite different from many other centurions who had come into the territory of Israel, um, who were serving there. He seemed to kind of more ingratiate himself to the people. Um, he obviously he has helped them, he supported them, he helped to build their synagogue. And so this man is he's, he's not even doesn't feel worthy to go to Jesus. He had heard about this, his power to heal. So he gets the elders, those, of course, who would be in his favor, and he says, well, you, would you go ask him? And so they do. They say, well, you should do this because, you know, he's, um, he's, he, he loves our nation. He's built our synagogues. He deserves this. And so not even at this point does the centurion come out to Jesus. He sends his friends to go out as a delegation, right? It's interesting that somebody who would have so much authority and let's say, worldly power, would have this sort of attitude towards, towards Jesus. But you can see it said he, this man seemed to have ingratiated himself into the Israelite people, that he was there not just to kind of dominate them, to really, but to try to serve them. Maybe he, like many other people, didn't want to be there in the first place, but thought, well, since he was there, he might as well make the best of it. And then here we hear St. Paul in that first reading say that he wants, he really encourages, admonishes, uh, the, the people in, in whom he is writing to, to lift up holy hands to pray for those who are in authority. 
if, if there was any time that those in authority needed our prayers, it would be today, no? How, how often, you know, they are inundated, tempted with so many different ways, uh, so many different things. Either it's honor or power or pleasure. And so we need to pray for them that they would keep, that they would be focused on what their, their, their main task, which is to serve the people that have given them that power, you know, who have given them that authority. To lift up holy hands to pray, to intercede. This is kind of the central message of the readings today. It reminds me of the story of uh, that Cardinal Dolan wrote in a book called Priest for the Third Millennium. He was, he was a very young priest at the time, and he came into this hospital room, and one of his parishioners, uh, a man who's, who'd been a very successful business person, was diagnosed with cancer and he was dying. And he brought all of his sons and his family around him, and he was basically dictating them and says, okay, you take care of the business, and you take care of the house, and you take care of mother, and you take care of this, and here's this priest, you know, and he says, well, you know, what, what would you like me to do? He says, Father, you pray. He says, you have to pray. That's what you do. Because we're the official prayers of the church to intercede on behalf of others. And especially, of course, as the day from the readings, to intercede for those in authority. They need our prayers. Maybe we can say a special prayer that God would raise up good, holy leaders who would always, of course, respect life, respect our freedom of religion, and those who would really go out to serve, to have the heart of the same centurion, recognizing the power in Jesus to heal, the power uh, that, that he has to, um, to bring peace to the world. So we pray in a special way in this Mass for those who serve us in public office. Uh, may they be inspired by the example and grace of Jesus uh, to serve those whom they have been entrusted and given that authority and power to serve. Dear brothers and sisters, gathered as one to celebrate the good things we have received from our God, let us ask him to prompt in us prayers that are worthy of his hearing. Let us pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for Michael, our bishop, for all the clergy, with the people entrusted to their charge to be the prayers and, inter and inter intercessors in the church. Let us pray to the Lord. For all those who hold public office and those who assist them in promoting the common good, Remember, in a special way in this Mass, we pray especially for them. Let us pray to the Lord. For the elderly, those who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as brothers and sisters. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for a greater freedom of religion in the world today. Pray for those who are persecuted and suffer for their faith that they may remain courageous and strong. Let us pray to the Lord. For all of us gathered in this sacred place by faith and devotion and by love and reverence for God, for those who are joining us through Guadalupe Radio and online, for all of our intentions, let us pray to the Lord. May the petitions of your church be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, so that we may receive from your mercy but we cannot ask out of confidence in our own merits through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Look with favor on our supplications, O Lord, and in your kindness accept these your servants' offerings, that what each is offered to the honor of your name may serve the salvation of all through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for just as through your beloved Son you created the human race, so also through him with great goodness you formed it anew. And so it is right that all your creatures serve you, all the redeemed praise you, and all your saints with one heart bless you. Therefore, we too extol you with all the angels, and in joyful celebration we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Blenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, we venit in Domine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you.
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice. And giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you, in your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us offer each other a sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tollis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be. How precious is your mercy, O Lord! The children of men seek shelter in the shadow of your wings. For those unable to receive communion, and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love Thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought. Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love Thee more and more. Sweet sacrament, we Thee adore. Oh, make us love Thee more and more. Oh, make us love Thee more and more. Let us pray. May the working of this heavenly gift, O Lord, we pray, take possession of our minds and bodies so that its effects and not our own desires may always prevail in us through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. The Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks be to Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Nita Dulcedo, et spes nostra salve. A te clamamus, exules filii hebe, a te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Eha ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos, misericordes oculos, ad no Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and... Every thought of
of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord, from every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord, from every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord, from every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Ethan from St. Louis Dan Catholic School. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. <laughs> 